Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, aka Boiler Hawk, aka HD Star, on the Twitter underscore in there somewhere. Joined as always with Ben Ross, Ben, aka Ren Boss. Okay. How you doing? Uh, you know, doing just fine. Kind of, you know, got your get your ass kicked from your nine to five today, but sometimes, you know, you need that to feel alive. <laughs> uh, you know, at least there's somebody else out there who cares about you because I want your head on a platter. So oh, it's, good feel, it's good to feel wanted, you know, one way or another. I always, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like it's been so long, but occasionally I would go to <clears throat> with friends. We'd go to a, like, you know. I'll just say we'll go to like a bar that was popular among alternative lifestyle crowds, and the and the bouncer would would I I get hit on every now and then, and like it just feels good to be, you know, at least somebody wants you. <laughs> yeah, those are always uh, interesting nights. Um, uh, sorry, unfortunately, you know, this is not on the menu. No. No, uh, and I'm sorry. Right now, no, no, COVID has no gender. <laughs> no, has no, no, there's no pronouns. orientation. There's no pronouns. COVID has no pronouns. <laughs> oh boy, this it, it did not take more than two minutes for this one to get off the rails. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm sorry, you were the one throat to choke, as I have. <laughs> heard before that's that's never a fun position to be not that we need to talk about your day job uh mm-hmm. I, I know where we left it with um uh the after party was you showed me that giant champagne bottle worth of uh miller high life and i, I just i guess you didn't live the high life nine to five live in the high life the other nine to five um, yeah, I'm not totally sure where you're going with that. Honestly, I'm not picking up what know. you're putting down. I'm not. It was a bad joke. It was a bad yeah, joke because okay. it's not 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. Um, mm. yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. But I okay. guess I guess not. I mean, high life. What it, it holds a near and dear place in my heart. I, I remember that oh, was yeah, that was that. the uh, beer of choice way back when. Um. Before I switched to Coors, before I switched to Miller Lite, before Coors I Banquet? variety, but between but Coors Light, Coors Banquet, it, it depended. It, Coors, it would Coors depend. Banquet is so underrated. It really it's is so good. good. It is so good. <laughs> like it, it, it actually like I, I don't know if it's really the mountain water. I think it is because inside information. Um, I once interned at Miller Lite, or. Miller Coors, what multi whatever it is now. Yeah. Um, the and board. they said they said they tried to make it at their plant in Fort Worth, and it actually did not work. Like because it there was something in the water of uh, whether it was extra basic or slightly acidic or something. There was something wow. in the mountain water that made Coors taste like Coors. Well, isn't that like the freaking theory how <clears throat> pizza in Brooklyn tastes different because Brooklyn water is different? Than anywhere else in New York, some of them, oh, it's like, just New York. Maybe, maybe it's. Oh, I don't even know if it's. I don't know if it's city or state or specific or region. But it's like there. I've heard a place. It might have even been in Chicago. This pizzeria was like importing water from New York to oh, make boy. them go. It's like you idiots, you dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> they probably have a nicer pizza oven. That's well, reality, what it is. reality is just like the chemicals in the lead pipes that have been <laughs> that, are, that are the oldest in the country in New York. Like <laughs> that's that's the reality of it. You can't make that bacteria anywhere else. It's like um, 
God, I'm going to swallow my tongue trying to say this word, but terroir, what the, the French say, isn't the, literally, it's magic. They say magic is in the soil that grows are grapes. So you can't get any type of wine by region. And it's like, there's some truth to it because there's elevation and then the sulfur and the dirt is different everywhere. But it's like they, from up until like science, they for, they use that word terroir to describe to the indescribable for how their wine is made, basically. You're going to have to make sure that you include that word very specifically in the episode recap because we did get some feedback that um, French terminology is something oh, that uh -huh. our readers are, are looking for. Um, terroir, terroir. That's, that, makes, that makes sense, um, you know. But like you said, once, once we figured out the science, we being the uh, broader we, Right, not the, the royal way. This is a O U I. <laughs> this is a team win. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, I don't know. I, I I wanted to talk briefly, very briefly, about um, <laughs> a moment during the game. Uh, Christina had just come back from um, running some errands or whatever, and she's like, "I got you a gift." And I'm like, I don't want a gift. This is why I was down 14-0. Um, I don't want a gift. I like my gifts on Christmas morning. And she's like, well, you're welcome. And it was these uh, little, literally gift stirs. I've been wanting stirs for drinks. Oh, for, stirs. Stirs, yeah, forever. Yes. And she does the nicest thing. And I was just a, <laughs> a jerk. Total jerk. Total jerk, and over the weekend, I um, have taken to maybe one of the oldest, most pirate cocktails in the book, the Grog. Um, and man, I, I just got to say, I, I I have become a rum guy in the biggest way, and this this drink is just fantastic. Not the biggest way, but I, I'm almost all rum all the time now, and just lime juice, water, brown sugar, and rum. So That's good. it? Yeah. Grog beverage. What kind of rum are we working with? Um, so I actually recently found one. It's like this Baku. Um, they have 5, 8, and 12-year. The 5 is actually pretty cheap, 20 bucks. And mm. the 12-year for um, being 12 years, uh, who knows if it's actually 12 years? That's I always wonder, like, are these things actually aged as long as they are? Um, it's... 30 bucks, which is pretty reasonable. And, you know, for a $30 12, 12 year old rum, it's, it's good. It's, it's solid for like a, a amber drink or amber rum cocktails. We have this 12 bottle bar book that, um, mm. I don't necessarily make my way through, but have some real staples there. And this grog, man, it's, it's almost like a limeade. That's how good it is. So, so um, I, you know, Oh, there it is. Okay, I found your recipe now. Dark rum, lime juice, brown sugar, water. Interesting. Okay, okay, okay. Gosh, I did all my liquor shopping on Saturday, but I might have to go back. It's good. It's good. Um, so, yeah, that, that's where I'm at. Uh, ben, it, you're, you're drinking a Modelo, it sounds like. Yeah, don't be mad. I, I, I like Modelo's. The, I just somehow there 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 are only so many beers anymore that I know <laughs> that it's, I can drink. It's like so weird. I've gotten like exhausted by all of the great craft beer I have access to. So now I'm just drinking macro <laughs> brew <laughs> silently out of the spot out of spite. Imports. <laughs> yeah, I was drinking uh, Sapporo last night. <laughs> so I picked up Chinese for dinner. <laughs> like, oh really man. I really support Japanese. I don't. I don't care, isn't it? I don't know. Um, oh yeah, Sapporo is a Japanese beer. It's good beer. Like I mean, that's the oh, thing. it's like, fine. Totally fine. Yeah. Oh uh, <laughs> boy, I, I'm trying to think. Like, when was the last time I had craft beer? Obviously, the Shiner Cheer doesn't count. Um, oh, I honestly don't know. It, it's been a while. We we did we we went outdoors to a brewery um, before the weather turned. Um, inconsistent i'll say so it's probably a local beer a local uh bike rack is what we have here in bentonville that's a good one bentonville brewing company that's 
that's not as good as bike rack, but their outdoor space is more prominent. Um, those are probably the last two I had. And that's probably, well, that's probably hope, two months ago. Hope uh, Bentonville's not listening for podcast ad opportunities, but fine. Oh, yeah. Spur, spurn <laughs> potential investors, but that's all right. It's all right. Um, it's what it is. Um, so as we kind of turn to um, a reflection of where Iowa is at uh, seven games into the eight-game season, um, we thought we would go ahead and, and use this as an opportunity, Ben. It was your idea uh, to discuss the what Don't ifs. Don't put this on me. Don't what put this on me. Yeah. It was your idea. I agree with it. It's a good one. Um, but I think like seven games in seven weeks to start that, that in and of itself is an absolute win to, to be in that position, to have the good fortitude of not facing any teams that, um, were in the midst of COVID outbreaks because it, it seemed like once that hit with some of these schools in the big 10, because of the guardrails, um, they almost immediately shut down. So for Iowa to be seven weeks in, seven games played, that is maybe the biggest win so far. Um, but, but five and two, man, it, it's hard not to stare at those two dead in the face and wonder four points is the difference between Iowa having a good season. I'm not going to say this season is bad. Um, it's good. And, and I think... What so happens against Wisconsin? Season, yeah. What what happens against Wisconsin may set the ceiling of it as a great season, um, but a good season. And then it's just like, man, those two just staring right in our face. So it's interesting. <clears throat> I Indiana's the only other Big Ten team that's played every game. That's ranked. Because uh, Penn State has also oh, played yeah. seven games. So, so, yeah, so is Rutgers. You're right. And Rutgers, which yeah. those two teams. I, I wonder if, if you if you said only four teams are going to play seven games through seven weeks. I don't think those would have been the the seven I would have picked. Yeah, and no, one from New Jersey, especially. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the the uh, one from the the school with the president who was 100 percent the most adversarial yeah. to. A Big Ten season going forward. That's funny. <laughs> um, I mean, you have to give credit. I, I know the basketball team, team, basically all of them, they got COVID in the summer. I don't know if that's true for the football team, but I have to suspect. I mean, we got – I think we heard a couple of guys got it. I mean, so may, I don't know if it ran through the locker room beforehand or if they just got really lucky and missed it, but uh, it happened. It is what it is. and. Um, the fact that we have gotten, you know, seven games should be uh, applauded, at, even though it is as much uh, having rabbit's foot uh, around with you as it is anything um, in these times. The, I guess that's my, I don't know, what, 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 what is the what if of this situation, I guess? Well, I mean, the what if, there, there's no what if to the COVID. I mean, okay. the COVID could have... I, I've said it before, and uh, I'll reiterate it here. Having this season, I think it's from a, a positive influence in my life. I know I can be a little bit of a, a surly guy on the internet. But like truly, I think it's been a net positive for me um, to, to see play out. I've very much softened on Spencer Petrus, even after last week mainly because it's like an acceptance so now i'm just searching for every reason to be like okay this is why it's not so bad um but i think you know being able to have seven games seven moments to to talk about with you ben um it's been it's been a lot of fun uh we'll keep this going through basketball season and hopefully not uh piddle out like we did last year but um you know i i just think from a uh Broadly speaking, I, I've enjoyed this season, um, and it's it's nice that Iowa's been able to have all seven games for 
for good or for ill. When's the last time you didn't enjoy a season? What's the last season you ever had you did not enjoy? Oh, it's 100% 2018. Um, the way that November November one, I think, mm-hmm. where they lost the three straight to, was it? Penn State, Purdue, Northwestern. Penn State, Northwestern, and Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, man, to have two first-rounders. I know. <laughs> Louise. I mean, like, we don't need it. What, what, the what-if discussions uh, in airing of grievances. Um, <clears throat> three, but, yeah, that would be the last three, one. That three first-rounders like, if you include Christian Werps. Yeah, I mean, right? technically. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I mean, I guess that would be that would be it out of the 2019 team. I don't think that – I mean, maybe Alaric Jackson ends up being a first-rounder. I'm not so high yeah, on his, I don't think his draft potential. Um, he probably could have been if he had a really good year last year, but he just got injured. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, to me, 2018 is the, the great what-if um, before this year because I think – the. The thing you had raised is if Iowa, they're four points, or I guess technically six points away from being undefeated, where would that put them in the rankings? And, and I think you have an angle. I I have my own angle. I'm curious if we have a similar angle. I didn't. I don't think I shared my angle with you. Um, my angle is my take is. I think obviously they'd be <clears throat> they'd be in the top ten simply because there are, there isn't much room. I mean, you have to have the undefeated team that's not BYU uh, or or Coastal Carolinas in the top ten, and so they'd be ahead of Iowa State's eight and two. They're number ten. Uh, Miami's eight and one. They're number nine. Indiana's six and one. So they'd be ahead of them, and then you'd have Florida is six at eight and one, and A and M. And Clemson are four and five respectively at nine and one and seven and one. So, you know, I think they'd be. Would they be ahead of a nine and one Clemson? I don't think so. And I also don't think they'd be. I don't. Do you think this team deserves to be in the top ten? Even if they do, even if they don't blow it against Northwestern, and if they do somehow find a way to beat Purdue, uh, not you know not let David Bell just do David Bell things um, throughout that game. I guess is yes. This would be. I I can see them putting a one loss Florida and A and M ahead of Iowa because who would their best win be, right? Yeah, I mean that's the the question for Iowa now. Um, it, in this hypothetical, it is <laughs> it's Northwestern uh, through through yeah. seven games, and, um, and right now it doesn't look like such a great win. <laughs> you know, yeah. After they lost to to Michigan State, um. I think the positive of losing the first two early games is it probably did give them a chance to just continually rise. And I mean, we this will be hilarious if Iowa just completely pees down their leg against Wisconsin, which is very possible, absolutely possible. Um, but I, so I think still about possible, yeah, still possible. Um, I, I think. A seven and zero Iowa team. Um, they are right there with probably some combination of Texas A and M and Florida on the outside looking in. My guess is Iowa's probably seventh, just ahead of Cincinnati, because I, I think Iowa's seven and zero probably stacks up most with Cincinnati's eight and zero. But if they had a win against Wisconsin, who now it's two and three and that win doesn't mean anything. Um, but then playing Ohio state in the championship game, they, they're very close to having been in, uh, the playoff discussion. Um, God, which is, which is why I've had the, the sentiment that I have with regards to the quarterback position. Um, I think that, This is a playoff caliber team next year, even even if you look at who they may lose, which is probably Nixon and Linderbaum as the true uh, guys that you just can't lose, um, or who who are 
irreplicable. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but like they're, they're the ones that are X factors on from their position that you're not just going to immediately backfill and have another X factor. It's going to have to come from four or five guys building it up, doing Mm -hmm. well to, to bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. And with Indiana and Iowa state as two top 10 teams looming, because the what if of this past year is just that. But looking at Indiana and Iowa State, those are going to be top 15 teams going into next year. Mm-hmm. Iowa may be there as well. Uh, the hope is that putting all the eggs in the Spencer Petras basket is part of what elevates the losses of Linderbaum, Nixon, tier below, I would put um, Golston, Jackson, um, and... I mean, uh, what about Hankins? I mean, if... If... You think Hankins would stay? I don't think he would stay. Neither do I. But I, but I think if Brent's felt good... I mean, that's another discussion. Like, if, if Brent's... Yeah felt like he was the guy to take over for Hankins, then he probably sticks around. But I think the fact that he thinks he's on the outside looking in, it speaks to just being able to backfill these positions in, in a way that it's just <clears throat> Iowa at across the board is reloading in a way that they haven't before. And, and that's just kind of where, where they're at from a talent standpoint that I don't think anyone's recognizing because from a recruiting perspective, I was going to be in the bottom half of the conference. They're going to be in the bottom half of power five, if not the bottom 25%, but they're doing such a good job at developing talent that these what ifs for looking back are possibilities going forward. And that's just kind of, I think the way I'm thinking about, this whole season, because it is the weirdest season. Um, I just think it is very close when you look back and forward. Um, because, yeah, back, it's just like, my God, Iowa would be two wins away from probably being in the the college football playoff. You can't leave a 9-0 and conference champion out in a Power 5 team. Um, maybe you could if Clemson skates by the skin of their teeth against Notre Dame. So you have two one-loss teams there. Um, but do people want to see a potential third game between those two teams? I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a fair question. And it's ultimately developing an entertainment complex. It's not about really the, the best four teams. It's about the, the three best games that they can put together. That's a good point. Um, but with Clemson, Notre Dame, I, I just have a feeling that that situation will work itself out. They usually tend to, uh, that's just sort of how the, you know, the sport and the world works. My whole point with a potential, <laughs> with a potential, <laughs> this is all, let's say eight, no, Iowa pre Ohio state big 10 championship game. That eight, no, Iowa team will be, would likely be, you know, we'll say seventh at the absolute lowest ranking. I think they'd be the most undeserving <laughs> given their schedule and their, um, their and the way they won these games. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> the fact is, like, if, you know, stats wouldn't look much different if North, if they beat Northwestern, really, if we wanted to talk about it, it it's, oh, one yeah. less, it's one less fumble. Otherwise, the stats don't look that much different. And then with Purdue, or was Purdue the fumble? Mackay Sargent. Purdue fumble. was the fumble. So yeah, Purdue, so I mean, Purdue was a fumble. I mean, excuse me. Uh, and then North Northwestern is a litany of things, I suppose. That, that that's a little bit more frustrating. But they're a missed field goal away. Like I mean, that's the thing about the yeah. Northwestern game is they had all the stats in the bank. They that field goal is six inches to the right or to the left. Mm-hmm. I was in the driver's seat. Like, I mean, butterfly and they, effect. And they're not, yeah, butterfly effect. But then it's so like, let's say our best win then is 
at the time now, five and two Northwestern because we gave them their other loss and their other losses to a, a, a horrible Michigan State team, an objectively horrible one. So like, and then Wisconsin's down, so that we we would end up beating a, a Wisconsin team that ended the year at two and three. <laughs> like, come on, this team's top ten. We're getting mad about rankings that don't exist. You're okay. You've you've talked me off the college football playoff ledge, um, but I think w- what would end up have happened if if Iowa is a top ten team? What I mean, the, would we get a? I don't, I don't think anything changes. Would we have gotten a BCS bowl between Iowa State and Iowa? Because that is probably, in my opinion, the worst case scenario. Now I loved it as a, as a thought experiment. That could when, still like, happen. I think they're locked into the Fiesta Bowl, or they're they're locked into a BCS Bowl. Are they not? Iowa State is. Or, or I think I think they're going to one. I mean the New Year's Six Bowl. Okay, fine. Whatever you whatever you want, Iowa State. Um, no, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you something, Harrison. In the year twenty twenty, nothing's locked in. You kidding me? We could have three Rose Bowls, like. I mean, that's not true. But what I'm saying is, if there's ever going to be a year where they're going to be flexible with who they schedule and when, it's this year. And I think we saw that, obviously, with BYU, Coastal Carolina getting scheduled 72 hours in advance. I realize a bowl game is a little bit different, but you have a month in between. Actually, I don't know what the schedule is. How long's the 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 break between the last I mean, it'll be two weeks. It's not going to be much. It's not going to be a month. Yeah. So let's say three weeks, two weeks. I mean, they could, I could totally see. I mean, I guess they probably can't really break a contract, I suppose, uh, that they have tied in. But like, I'm curious. I would still want to see an Iowa State Iowa bowl game. This is the best Iowa State. This is the best Iowa State's ever been. Don't you want to play them? I do and I don't. Like, that's part of the thing. But here, so here, here are the dates of the games. You have uh, December thirtieth is when the first one is the Cotton Bowl Classic, and then uh, the Peach Bowl on January first, and then the Orange Bowl and Fiesta Bowl on uh, January second. I mean, here's the conspiracy theory: Gary Barta, College Football Playoff Committee, he ostensibly is the mouthpiece of this this operation. Maybe he has a little extra pull. I don't know. But if Iowa ends up seven and two, because this is this is a tangible going forward. Seven and two, Iowa call them in the top sixteen. They're for all intents and purposes the the second most um, attractive Big Ten team. Um, because I'm I'm positing that they would have to beat Indiana in this scenario as well. There might be a real possibility of it happening. There there really might be. And I can see Iowa State fans being incensed if Iowa were to beat them with uh like, like being mad that Gary Barta was pulling the strings of all people. Like that—that's kind of what, where my head is is going with this. Who if I cares? Let's let's let that deal. cynicism play out. Yeah, I mean, it's just I we, we're we're having the what if discussion. I mean, this is a what if going forward discussion, and I am oh boy, oh boy. If I, I, Iowa is going to pee down their leg against Wisconsin. I'm just... I mean, yeah, we were absolutely losing this game somehow. But, like, still, like, what else would we have to talk about? Is that stir also a straw? No, this is a separate straw. Interesting, it's a, okay. It is a um, uh, rubberized straw. Okay. I, I I took the the stir out because I figured it would be bad background noise. I know that the ice and the drinks is just tremendous background noise. It's only. Only slightly better than um, probably the burps I have to hide during some of these podcasts, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Um, but I think now is probably a good point to 
we we've talked about the what if train for going back, going forward. We have, I think our plan is to, to stretch this maybe 10, 15 more minutes and then hop on the blower to talk about North Carolina tomorrow, put all of it together in one big normal sized podcast. Um, so let's talk about Wisconsin. Um, the the thing I, I on my mind is one hope I have for the game outside of winning. Um, so I'm putting you on the spot. What is your one hope for the Wisconsin game? Uh, you have to hope that Spencer Petrus doesn't stake. You have to hope that he doesn't cost us the game. You have to hope he puts us in a position to win the game. Um, because... I guess we'll, we'll ha- we're going to have another game no matter what after Wisconsin, right? So, I mean, he will have that, fingers crossed. But you just can't, like, if you're Spencer Petrus, you can't end the season on a bad note. You just cannot. Because, well, I mean, I, you know, we're probably reading too much into his own psyche and what type of stories get passed around the locker, the football complex. <clears throat> but if he just stays, us as bloggers, we're going to be hearing about him on the message. You know, think about us, not Spencer Petrus here. We're going to be hearing about him on the message boards and writing about him and reading about him, about all the stuff about Padilla. And then we're going to be writing and reading about a new quarterback coming out of campus in uh, Levis. Uh, we're going to, you know, maybe read, read about Padilla's transfer and somebody else's transfer in the offseason. It's, you know, it's just having this turmoil at the QB position. Um, is just unfortunate. There's always some type of off-season drama. Uh, I mean, that's my biggest hope, I guess. Then to answer your question, Harrison, is that if 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 Petrus has himself an outstanding game and Wisconsin still wins, like I, I mean, I would rather have Petrus stink and Iowa win. I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like what, what's it, it's like you're it's the we've had that weird ethical discussion. I like what's, what is this one thing worth an off season of limited turmoil is almost worth an Iowa loss. If Spencer Petrus plays balls out, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, almost, almost. <laughs> well, and then also it's like, we have something to look forward to. Yeah. Something optimistic for the great heroes. This, this is me burping. Thanks. Harrison. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, I just lost my train of thought. All this we, we're, we have um, optimism going forward. If if even with a loss, Spencer Peters yeah, is good. We have an off season of just turmoil, of just sadness, of talking ourselves off the off the Padilla. You know, we're all going to be hitching our wagons to Padilla or Deuce or Labus. You know, it's going to become a whole, whole um, become a po- politics thing of just who 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 we want to to win the the, the battle. Um. It reminds me of of the meme where it or it's a TikTok where it's like choose your fighter. Oh yeah, and it's like choose your fighter, Petrus, Padilla, Hogan. No, Christopher. I'm I'm referring <laughs> to him as Christopher because Not the only Chris. reason anyone is on the hype train is because of his nickname, and that's fine. That's what you're allowed to do. What if he was the number two? What if your nickname was Deuce and you were like number eight? I would I just call that him, more. I'd call him Ocho. Ocho, yeah. Um, no, that, that's that's an unfair take to a kid who's 18 years old because of people like us who have high hopes for him. Um, I, my angle is no one would have these hopes if he was just a normal guy. If his name was Alex Padilla, people would be like, oh, cool. The third string quarterback for Iowa. Um, No, I think you're exactly right in terms of like, oh, if Petrus is good, then it's like we can build around him. Um, The one thing I I hope we see is just an utter commitment to the Wildcat. Um, I think they ran it, what, seven times against Illinois, seven out of... Um, seventy plays ish. I have the box more than that. I forgot. I rewatched a bit of the game this afternoon, and uh, I forgot they ran it in the first quarter as much as they did too. 
Probably, uh, ran, it three, probably ran it two or three times. Yeah, because they – oh, did they run it two or three times in the first quarter and then like five or six in the second? I guess that ends up being seven. So they ran it, let's say, seven out of 66 plays. Just a shade over 10%. I hope they run it, and obviously this is couched in the sentiment that it actually works and it's not like, oh, they're just running another outside, another version of the outside zone. Um, I hope they run it 15 to 20% of the time. Because I think the way I have viewed it now is it looks like it is a two quarterback system technically because you're easing the burden on Petrus. When, when do we see a Goodson pass? I think we see two non Petrus passes this week. I think we see the Goodson one where it's like the fake dive pop out and he flips it over the top to someone. And I think we see what JP has been calling for, which is that Amir Smith Marset um, reverse where he pulls up and flings it to someone. Um, I think we see both of them. I think they've been saving them for Wisconsin. And I have to say like um, credit to Iowa for doing that. If that's actually how it plays out. Um, and it helps lead Iowa to a win because Wisconsin, and this is something that Rob has put a lot of time into in terms of those, those videos that he built, Iowa's been looking to find an edge to beat Wisconsin. It's just like, God, why has it got to happen in a game where ostensibly it really doesn't matter. But to mm-hmm. me, in the way that the Penn State game was like, you're, you're not battling history next year if you beat Wisconsin this year. Um, so it, it's very important, in my opinion, to to still come out with the W against Wisconsin. And to, if you've built to crescendo the Wildcat against Wisconsin, um, credit to them because they were a missed field goal away from beating Northwestern and – whatever you want to call the Purdue game. I mean, not a tune-up game against Purdue. I mean, that's really – that, uh, man, that that bugs me. But the, the Northwestern games bugs me more, so I, I don't want to get – Who is – does Indiana becoming good all of a sudden make Purdue worse? So is that uh, a good thing for Iowa? Oh, um – so the thing about Indiana as a state is just it's just such a basketball-focused state. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a ton of talent in that state. Um, so I don't know necessarily if it if it's the type of thing that you see happen with Iowa and Iowa State typically where only one is good for a period of time. I think that that's real because the – natural resources of the state are not that much. So if Iowa and Iowa state can keep being like eight to 10 win teams add, you know, the next five years, I think that that changes my mindset on that a little bit. But when you're like diehard rival that is in the same conference as you, that you play every year, um, that, you know, I, I think, yeah, that wears on Brom. Like, Brahms getting more heat than I would have expected, but it makes sense. Um, they're, they're going through their uh, amount of turmoil um, that I guess you would kind of expect. But he's kept some of these guys in the fold. Like, Rondale Moore has no business still playing football, but he still is. I know. So, I mean, crazy. Uh, that's kind of the thing with him. And didn't Carl Loftus go down with an injury? So their defense has been mm-hmm. a shell of itself. I mean, yeah. So it's it's what it is there. But, yeah, I mean, Indiana being good puts pressure on Purdue. And um, whether that means they move off of Brom sooner, not after this year or next year, but um, whether it sends them down a spiral is probably a fair one because, yeah, I mean, they, they per, Purdue fans, you think Iowa and Iowa State fans, like, dislike each other 
the Purdue Indiana thing is remarkable because the inferiority complex that Purdue fans have is second to none. And it is well-founded because Purdue's been the better basketball program for caught this millennium, the last 20 years. My lifetime, basically. And all they ever hear from Indiana fans is banners, banners, banners. And like Indiana is basically Minnesota at this point with the history that they have. It's like, that's all you're looking at or they're, they're, India, they're basketball Nebraska. So yeah, Minnesota doesn't have any banners to speak of. So it's like hockey. It's so tired, and Purdue fans hate it. And yeah, it's a inferiority complex, and I it turns me off from the fan base a little bit. But it's also well founded. Like, I mean, Indiana fans <laughs> are assholes to them <laughs> about oh, stuff man, that happened yeah. in the eighties. Like, I mean, yeah, cool. Bobby Knight, the great A asshole, is, uh, you know, in charge of it. And, like, the thing about Indiana as well, I mean, this is going down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but Indiana basketball, Bobby Knight basically built that culture from, like, we don't set ball screens because you have one guy turning his back to the basket. Like, just – so everyone basically plays basketball like – Bob Knight did at the high school level. It, it's probably gone away a little bit as, you know, ball screens have become more in effect. But, like, Titus and Tate go on about this because Titus's dad is an Indiana high school basketball coach, and he's about as old school as they come. And it's like he, he's got rants about it. So uh, I don't need to. Interesting you bring that up. Did you, I was watching um, a high school got i was watching highlight videos of tony perkins who was out of indianapolis he's on iowa oh, yeah. now and they interviewed his coach and his coach is like the winningest head coach winningest coach in indiana by basketball history i never i mean not that i should know who he is i guess um but that i mean i guess that makes sense is there, is there a basketball coach in that state under 70 because <laughs> <laughs> what is it he's lawrence north um basketball yeah, that sounds right yeah, I mean that's that's about as good a basketball program as there is. I think that might have been where. Uh, sorry, I have their uh, notable alumni up. Yep, it's where Conley went to school. Um, Mike Conley, I thought Greg Oden too. Yeah, yeah. I mean they had three former NBA players. Eric Montrose. I'm not sure you know who he is. I really don't know who he is. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, they are a great program, and I think the fact that Iowa like went out and got Tony Perkins from there, I hope he doesn't lose faith in what I know Fran is doing. And, I'm and he sure shouldn't. he is because he seems like he's a two two year guy. Oh, just in terms of playing talent time. level? No, in terms of playing time, like he won't be going to see serious minutes until his junior year. Unless he yeah, I, this year, redshirt sophomore year or junior year. Yeah, because he wouldn't see. I guess it just depends. Like it, it depends on if Wieskamp leaves, and this is exactly. probably yeah. If Wieskamp leaves, which I don't know now. I mean, through three games, he's shown me not much new, which is fine. Um, and all of last year's games, but yeah. Ooh, ooh. mean, so mean. Yeah, yeah, but I think Fred Frederick's the guy I have my eye on in terms of leaving early. If he lights it up, displays requisite athleticism, his only problem is he is a little short. But um, I have he's a guy. This is I mean we're having this conversation now, but I I don't see the ball handling out of Frederick yet. Really, he not as a primary ball handler. He's he's the classic like. He does. He does things with purpose. He's got. He's like second on the team in assists this this year. Second and second or third between three, him. Three or three games against Tahiti Tech and oh boy, oh his boy. sisters in the poor. Like, come on. <laughs> then yeah, this is this is the perfect place to leave this podcast. Uh, hopefully, on the flip side of the break, you will hear Ben and I. Uh, discussing the Iowa-North Carolina game. Otherwise, it might be released as two podcasts. Who knows? Um, So, 
For Benaros, I'm doing this as we actually don't add it to the end. But for Benaros, I'm Harrison Starr. Go Hawks, and maybe the North Carolina talk will be up after the break. Is this technically halftime, or is this like are we getting we're getting shown to locker room, not knowing if we're going back out of the field or not? It's a thunder. It's a weather weather delay. It's a weather delay. Yeah. Weather delay. So, all righty. <laughs> And we are back. Ben, I don't remember how I finished that last one because it was a little bit of a frantic ending. Uh, but we are here to chat about Iowa's win over North Carolina, 93-80. Uh, ben, your main takeaways. Uh, my main takeaways are Iowa, you know, biggest takeaway is Iowa played like ass for 11 minutes and still won by 13. Um, so I think we're good. I I don't know. I mean, typically I think it's weird how much criticism we're seeing of Iowa's game. Uh, I get like, why can't we enjoy this? I don't, I don't know. Like people, the, when the game ended the very first opening line on the ESPN, um, whoever it was on ESPN said, you know, not typical, not a classic game from Luca Garza. He was 16 of 14. Um, and he had seven offensive rebounds. Like, he played great. He was incredible. He was just the quietest double-double you've ever seen in your life. Sorry, Jason Vanetti. <laughs> hey, don't, let's not let's not hate on Jason Vanetti. He was the color guy. He was the or he was the play guy. Was he with the? I was watching on mute. Um, but yeah, I, I think they just want to get it going where they have the Luca Garza points tracker like they did with Trey Young and. You know what? No, let's just let's just get the W. Like you said, seven offensive rebounds, just four blocks. Like this stat line, a couple of assists. It, it this is the type of game that Luca Garza needs to have for Iowa to ultimately achieve their biggest goals because he's gonna get his twenty shots. But if he can still do all the little stuff, be him. Um, and everyone else can pick up his slack, then yeah, like, okay, 16 and 14, one and oh, that's all that matters. One and what do you mean, one and oh, you mean three and oh, one and oh against well, real teams, one and oh, one and oh for this game, four and oh now, okay, okay, oh, I, yeah, I get it now, and <laughs> I, I guess uh, I should be it's so funny. I, I think the last pod, first half of this pod, ended with me being very skeptical of your CJ Frederick love. And then I also took the opportunity to knock Joe Wieskamp too. And both those guys, I mean, Frederick was, I mean, probably the best guy on the floor tonight for Iowa, at least. Honestly. Yeah, he, he was, I mean, eight of 11, um, 21 points, Bohannon. He, he was the leading scorer with 24, but it, it was without a doubt, Iowa's best game from the perimeter that, mm-hmm. that they've had this season. Um, Great minutes from Tucson. Uh, great minutes from Murray. Those guys only played twelve. Murray was so minutes. good. I wanted. I I don't know where I'd put him, but I want to see more Murray. I, I mean, I thought what happened was Pat wasn't feeling it, and Murray was doing great. So Fran just rode the guy who's going to make an impact in his seven minutes. Iowa was plus nine, which. It, plus minus is a little bit of a flawed stat, but I hate um, plus minus. I really do. But it shows you an indicator of what he was doing: one block, one steal, one offensive rebound, uh, and a putback. Like I mean, he was just uh, all the little things that you would want. Those are the types of players you need on teams that are going to go far. They don't care how many minutes they get, however many minutes they get, they're going to play hard. They're going to do all the small things and Murray ticks that box in a way that I, I am 100% wrong about him. I thought he was going to be someone um, who maybe had his minutes forced a little bit, but to me, this, this shows he's deserving of um, the minutes he's going to get because he's going to make the most of them. I know it's, uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I would have liked to see a little bit more out of Pat. He, I don't know what it was for there. He had maybe the worst air ball I can remember ever seeing from the corner in the first half. <laughs> it, 
Um, I mean, he wasn't a total, just a, a body. I mean, he, he wasn't just, you know, a warm body out there. But uh, I, I, to your point, you know, it's his son. I'm really glad we could see Murray. He, he played really great off the bench. Um, I, I guess, you know, you can. It's tough. We only had 13 bench points and none in the first half. Now, uh, Toussaint, he, he was sort of a chef's kiss. So end of end of the game though there there is a shaky there's a shaky lineup out there in the middle in the nether regions I think maybe eleven minutes left in the half and Toussaint was the mm-hmm. only one who I I, I I I've seen these games before where the wheels totally come off uh, when there's a lineup going out there where I'm wondering what the hell Fran is doing uh, but Toussaint I think was able to make make a stop and then get back get back to back baskets um, he he looks great. Uh, and if, you know, if Bohannon and McCaffrey weren't playing so well, um, you know, he'd be, it's funny to going to see half as many minutes as he saw last year, this year, but um, that's just how the sport goes. It is. Um, and, and I think the, the key for him is just to stick with it because um, the plays he makes. Oh, he knows next game, year. That it was team. Nice. Exactly. Um, it's his team. It's, his team. it's Pat's team. It's Nunji's team. And I think, Pat, to his credit, um, you know, maybe I think him and Nunji were both a little quick on their the trigger from uh, the three-point shot. But there was one moment where Pat got the ball at the top of the key, brought his man out, and just took him off the dribble, got an assist. And, and um, I, I think that might have been also a part of that that shaky uh, stretch where you're like, ah, there's really no guards out there. Where's Iowa going to get their points? And, um, you know, they, they did it. And... Um, just like that first half, man, just on absolute fire. Uh, 11 three-pointers I think they had. Um, yep. I can't really remember them being that hot. It, it, I guess 11 to 22. Um, it, but what a fun game. Yeah. Yeah. Every, everybody, um, all the five guys, you know, McCaffrey maybe not as much. He, I mean, he, he had the quiet, he has like, such a quiet box score. And even he, it's, it shows only has two assists, but I, I feel like he made more than that. He had some pretty beautiful passes, honestly. Um, I can remember a night, but uh, everybody is really, I mean, this team has three, number one, three point shooters on it. Or at least mm-hmm. they did tonight, I, I guess. Um, Wies camp. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Wies camp. This, you mean, was this, this is his best game in two years, probably. Right. He had some really good games. Um, Last year, we, we did our over. Yeah. In, in the first uh, 15, 20 games, he was pretty good. Um, it was really the, the end of conference season that really wore him down um, because he was the number one perimeter option. Um, I, I think the thing about Connor is he is going to do whatever's asked of him. And he had to go exactly. up against uh, the number four guy to free Wieskamp up Um and, you know, he, he he did his job. Zero points, fine. Two assists, fine. Uh, two steals, fine. And he used his fouls. He had four fouls, um, as did Garza. Good thing this thing didn't go to overtime. Um, but that's why you have a deep team. If you don't... No turnovers, either. Yeah. Most yeah. important. I mean, just... Yeah, for a game... Um, I mean, it has Iowa's turnover percentage at 14.3%. Um, totally winnable uh, for North Carolina... Um, North Carolina turned it over seven more times than we did, eighteen to eleven. That's, I mean, that's you have to win games like that. You just do. If you lose, if you lose a game with that kind of uh, margin, it's it's your own goddamn fault. And I mean, t- turnovers have always been the number one thing we would lament with Fran's team, at least turnovers and questionable defense. But I, to your point about turnovers, um, looking at it here, um, Iowa had twenty three points off of turnovers. Uh, UNC had nine, 14 point differential, 13 point differential in the final game. So I think at, at one point, I think it was 12, 12, nothing off turnovers or something like that to start the game. That's crazy. That's crazy. And this, this was quiet for me. Um, I, I don't know how, but, uh, three of, uh, UNC's four big men had four fouls. Which, yeah. I remember that I mean, with Baycott fouling with ago. five, just that 
that is the value of Luca Garza when he is not necessarily filling it up is um, <laughs> get guys in foul trouble. I mean, that was just a crazy game. I didn't think it was particularly well called, um, but it doesn't matter when you win, right? No, nothing matters. I'm just one baby, <laughs> right? Um, you know, I would have liked to see. I was pretty nervous in there with Nunji, but I guess who else can you play besides him? Yeah, at the I think the way that Murray was used was um, perfect, but he would be in a pinch. Your number five, and he's I, I think that, shorter than Nunji, though. Still, even yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he's shorter. He's probably thirty pounds lighter, and he would have gotten eaten alive um, <laughs> if he had to. So the answer is you had guard on the five. So yeah, um, and I, you know, Nunji's shot selection was a little um, a little much, but you know what? Like you're playing a game up and down like that. Like it didn't matter. You can get away with you can get away with some of those shots. Like I mean, whether people want to hear that or not. Um, it's what it is. Like I'm not going to uh, point out the uh, mole on the Cindy Crawford that was this game because I think it was it was um, just a truly enjoyable game, and uh, you know it's it's fun to uh, beat UNC by leading for almost 38 minutes um, out of a 40 minute game. I mean that's crazy to think about. If Iowa plays like that, they can they beat Gonzaga. Is what yes, I want that, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, I, I think uh, the thing that scared me uh, about this team is if they would fall in love with the three ball. Um, but when you're shooting like you can, but when it like, loves you back, <laughs> yeah, when it, when it loves you back, you you shoot it all the time. Um, and, and I think that stretch that they had where they were running some sets for Garza, uh, he was drawing the fouls. He was getting to the line a little bit. Um, I was moving to the basket. Um, you know, they had that, uh, you said, kind of a 10, 11-minute stretch where where they let North Carolina back in the game. Um, but it's not like they were uh, scoreless throughout it. They were still kind of getting theirs. It was just North Carolina was really asserting their will from an athletic standpoint um, that uh, maybe Gonzaga can do um, down low. But... If I was shooting like that, there aren't many teams in the country that can beat them. That's that's my assertion from this game. Mm-hmm. Is do we think UNC is a down team, down UNC team? I didn't realize they wouldn't have made the tourney last year. Yeah, they were a bad team last year. Kind of they forgot. Really bad. Kind of forgot about all that. I, I think there is. I mean, there's too much talent on their team last year, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think the question is, are they too old school? Like, like that's kind of my takeaway. They're gonna they're gonna eat some teams alive with um, the size that they have, but uh, Iowa not as strong perimeter defense. Um, it was their best game from behind the arc as as they had, even though they threw up some ducks. Everyone threw up some ducks, um, but I think they're still a strong team. I mean. I just don't know how you can have as much talent as they have from a recruiting standpoint. Be like, ah, another down year for UNC. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I just that just doesn't. Being an Iowa fan, that excuse does not hold much weight. But I know, you know some teams just don't click. It reminds me. It reminds me of the one year. God, I don't even know when. When Kentucky went to the NIT. Oh yeah, and lost to Robert Morris. Was a rise with well, St. I mean, James Madison. I knew it was I knew it was a person. I couldn't think of which one. <laughs> well, they're I mean they're going through it this year too. Like it's just it, it's I don't know maybe just the pendulum swinging back to experience, which which is what Iowa has. And uh, uh, I guess approaching the 15 minute mark on kind of the the end game, Ben. Um, any any parting thoughts? As we as we close off the podcast, um, I mean, no, excited for Friday night. Yeah, I think. We're I mean, good. I think I think we're good. I think you're exactly right. Excited for Friday night. Excited for um, you know, kind of the rest of the season because because this team is 
certainly very fun to watch and hopefully it, it carries through um, Iowa State on Friday uh, and then um, Gonzaga the 19th. I don't think there's a game in between there. And then um, Northern Illinois is the, the final game. But maybe maybe it is that week. So uh, to close off the pants party, I am Harrison Starr, joined by Ben Ross. Go Hawks. Fuck State. <laughs>